0: Hello, and welcome back to Earth, Wind, and Water, Motif Magazine's leanest and greenest audio production. In each episode, Motif reporter Sam Zimmer explores environmental issues as they relate to the lives of Rhode Islanders. This week, she sits down with Monica Hortas, Executive Director of the People's Port Authority. Before we kick it over to Sam, we would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Trinity Brewhouse, R1 Indoor Karting, Providence Brewing Company, Providence Ballet Theatre, Festival Ballet, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, East Bay Comics, and New Bedford Festival Theatre.
1: Welcome to the motifs Earth, Wind and Water, We Will Be Ancestors. We're here today with Monica Huertas, Executive Director of the People's Port Authority. Um, Before we begin, Um, I wanted to give a land acknowledgement for the people who have been here in Rhode Island since before it was known as Rhode Island, since before colonization, the Narragansett, Wampanoag, and Poconocet people, whose unceded land we live on. Welcome, Monica Huertas, mother of Jeremy, Victoria, Alex, and Joshua, wife, social worker, and doula, executive director of the People's Port Authority. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Monica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what drew you towards environmental activism? Well,
2: about seven years ago, um, after being homeless and very unstable in like the housing area and job, um, my husband and I finally bought a house. Um, We kind of did the American dream, right? But then I was so excited to like garden and grow tomatoes and have my chickens. And my friend was like, who knows about like sciencey things was like, you can't have you can't just grow tomatoes in the backyard. And I was like, How come? Who said? <clears throat> and they started telling me about like lead in the soil. And I was like, I've never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of like lead chips and you're not supposed to eat them, right? Like as a baby, right? right. But I never heard about um contamination in the soil. So he's like starts telling me about all this contamination. And I said, What in the world? Like, how is it that? you buy your little piece of land your little piece of property you know the quote-unquote american dream you do everything right and yet there's still things that are harming you or that could potentially harm you so that really interested me and so i started looking it up and in fact yes there is contamination in the soil and you have to remediate it Mm -hmm. and i started learning about these things and so at the same time i was learning about these things my friend said oh and also Um, National Grid wants to build, um, a liquefied natural gas facility in our area. Oh no. So I'm like, okay, what the heck is that? And then he told me and I was, and I started getting interested and I, and that's how it all happened. Like it, both of those things happen at the same time.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. So super starting at a super personal level. That's right. Super
2: personal, super personal level. Um, right when this was happening i was pregnant with my fourth child and then when he was about nine months old we found out that he was lead poisoned oh my goodness so again all of these things are happening at the same time and so yeah it's it's very personal and that's why i have stuck with it for the last eight years now wow Mm -hmm. and so you
1: were able to get your soil tested
2: that's right something locally
1: yep. people can look it up how to do it if they're interested if they haven't if they're not sure about their
2: own soil absolutely mm-hmm. there's a place i think in uri if you look it up in uri mm-hmm. um i send to Wister because at the time i didn't know and that's where my friend worked um but yeah there's definitely a lot of places that will do it yeah for free yeah for free it's mm-hmm. awesome yeah, um and liquefied
1: natural gas did that end up opening?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it ended up opening, but you know what? That's when it really when we really started putting the focus on the Port of Providence. And so we did community um we did we did community actions and organizing and we demanded that National Grid hold community meetings so folks can know um what's going on. We went to the CRMC, the Coastal Resource Management Council. We went to the Department of Environmental Management so they can hold meetings and show people what it is that is going on. And I remember somebody um, reminded me this um, two weeks ago. One of the testimonies was, and this was about six or seven years ago at this point, one of the testimonies was we've never had input in anything that's happened at the port. And this is the first time that that happened. So while we didn't win eventually, we really put a lens on the Port of Providence as a whole. We put a lens on all the the suffering that South Side and Washington Park is going through. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's the beginning of the campaign, No LNG and PVD, which now has turned into the People's Port Authority. Wow. So this is about seven
1: years ago that this started happening. Wow, lots of momentum.
2: Yes, a lot of momentum and you know we quickly realized that it wasn't just about LNG, it was about tar and scrap and cement and uh, chemical um, facilities and jet fuel oils and asthma and respiratory diseases and missing school and missing work because you're at home. With your kid, or you're in the hospital, right? Right. So all of these things together, we really quickly realized that again, it wasn't just about LNG. And so we like, well, we're the people's port authority. We're gonna tell folks what to do. And another tidbit of information is that all of our counterparts across across the United States, they fight the port authorities of their respective states. Right? We don't have a port authority, so we don't have a body where we can go. Hey, they're doing this to us. This. Companies thinks we have to call like Department of Environmental Management. They have like one person for air quality, you know, or we have wow. to complain to this other. Sometimes we have to complain to the state or sometimes we have to complain to the city. There's no governing body. Right. And so we said we're the people's port authority and we will make sure that um, we make connections with DEM, with the city, with the state so that we can complain and then also work together to see how we can fix it. Right, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I hadn't realized that most other
1: cities have their own port authorities, so that the origins of that name make a lot more sense now. Yeah, and how yeah. powerful <laughs> that the people run it. Um, wow. Okay, so you've been involved since the beginning, pretty much. Is that correct? Absolutely,
2: since the beginning. I think I was like the second um, kind of coordinator of like this campaign after um, Sherry Ann. Who's a badass organizer, and she's one of the founding members of the Fan Collective, um, fighting against natural gas. Awesome.
1: Can you share a little bit about how environmental racism shows up, and what environmental hazards give South Providence communities some of the highest rates of asthma in the count in the country?
2: Well, it's it's pretty simple in the fact that it's very cookie cutter. It's very like very American, mm. if you will. Yeah. Um, It looks like every other urban city in the country where unwanted people, right, black, brown, marginalized, poor, white, um, are put in neighborhoods with unwanted chemicals or unwanted chemicals are put in neighborhoods that are um, unwanted by, you know, by people who have money and um, they deliberately, you know, redline and say, yeah, put it here because, you know, nobody lives there. Or there's like thriving communities of migrants, um, of working class people, and then they're like, well, let's put it there, and nobody's looking, nobody's paying attention. And then um, these companies come in and ghettoize the neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you see the neighborhoods really declining and becoming worse off. And so that's that's what we call um, the environmental racism, right? where these unwanted things they don't put them in nowhere other place and if they're even proposed in a in a in a upper middle class white neighborhood or in a white wealthy neighborhood they're squashed they're like no absolutely not right and so in our neighborhood everybody was turning the blind eye and for years and years and years decades um city officials the mayor state officials they were just turning the blind uh uh, uh they were turning their eye they are turning you know to the poor and, and not really looking at it. Turning away from the port and not looking at it. And then letting companies come in and run their dirty businesses mm-hmm. um, in our port. And, you know, some of these chemicals are bottom-of-the-barrel things. Things are so, are so nasty and so polluted that Massachusetts and Connecticut don't want them. And some of them are even legal to store in Massachusetts and Connecticut, our neighbors next door. Wow. So they put them here. And again, because there's no, nobody was looking at it in this type of way. Hmm. And so
1: through community activism over the years, um, what changes have you seen? I know it's still a constant battle. And now with C3 um, and expansion or renewals of leases, um, what, how have you seen the city respond or companies respond to pressure from the public?
2: Well, you know what? It's been an uphill battle, but we have seen some small but some also major changes recently and so for example um zoning is a small example zoning in providence was very like yep yeah, if it go yep yeah, yeah we'll put it there kind of just giving out permits to these companies um but ever since we're like no look at the rules you know this this area is not zoned for um for example Um, Narragansett Improvement Company, they wanted to, they in fact put um, a bunch of their junk tar in front of, in a a plot of land that's in front of the water. We're saying, who gave them permission to do this? Why is this up here? And so it went to zoning. And that land, uh, you have to have a water-dependent company. So your business has to be water-dependent in order to go on that piece of land. They didn't have it. I know that 10 years ago or seven years ago before we started, blind eye. Like, oh, yeah, I have a permit. But we put, we put pressure. And we're like, no, this is, then that, 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 we, we testified mm-hmm. in front of the zoning board and stuff. And the zoning board was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's, it does say that has to be water dependent. So then we won that, right? Wow. Others, right, so that was huge. The transfer station. Um, there was a transfer station that was proposed for the area. It was going to bring, like, 150 trucks more. Um, we did some actions and some organizing around that it was squashed right city council said no you cannot have this there right and so now more recently we went in front of the efsb board the energy facility sighting board um and they kind of is a rubber stamp agency that gives um companies a green light to to do whatever they want even though they're not supposed to Mm -hmm. But they haven't said no to anybody, to any company. The first time that this board ever said no was to the um, organizing and to the organizing credit really of the fan collective. Again, they organized folks in Burville um, at the beginning and they made a huge movement. And so folks from Burville went to the EFSV board and then the EF- EFSB board said, no, we don't want this here. And no other time has that happened. Wow. But then when we went... We did the same kind of thing, grassroots organizing, we wrote letters, we found out four days before, and we submitted, I think, over 400 testimonies and letters from people with four days notice. Wow. So we got the EFSB board to say, no, you cannot prove, you know, this company, it was C3 at the time, C3, you cannot prove without a reason of a doubt that there's not going to be any accidents. And just because there's not a history of no accidents, that doesn't mean that, it proves it's safe, right? Right, And so... That um, was this past spring. So it was this past spring. spring. and yeah. It was a huge victory. And then we just found out recently with more confirmation that Provport, um, they did not renew the lease of C3. So they couldn't expand, and then they're going to have to start phasing out sometime. So they cannot have an expansion at all. Wow. That's right. That's huge, huge. news. Yep. Wow. Yep. But that goes... And so and to, to, to your other part of the question was... What are the things that we're doing um, with uh, with Provport, and recently they came to City Hall asking um, city council for a 30-year lease extension and some TSAs, so some tax breaks, which they're really not TSAs, but they're calling them TSAs, but it's really like a, um, what's the word for it? Um, like some cost revenue share kind of um, language in this 30-year proposal. And so what we're saying is, and so they also are saying that they're going to have a master plan and it's going to have community input. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is like, hold the phone. You saying you want 30 years... More. More money, you know, 30 years more, and you want more money, and then you're going to do the community planning? That doesn't make no sense to us. We want the community planning, and we want guarantees... Right. Right? That this is going to happen before anything can happen. And so last Thursday, Prof. Poor... Um, Kind of like city council, they came to an agreement that they would listen to us, that we would be able to put some amendments in the um, in the um, in the ordinance so that these things can happen. And so we're working really diligently right now with different city councils, um, working with Proport so that they could put this in. You know, Proport, you know, they 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 were good on the C C three stuff. They're trying to do good on the um, on the wind turbine stuff mm-hmm. right but they have eight other companies wow. that pollute
1: wow yes you
2: know what i'm saying so it's like you yeah. can't tell me that you're gonna that you're an environmental company and all these things when you have eight other tenants and you know i'm like rough estimate eight other tenants who are polluters right. that have chemical facilities that have scrap that have salt all in the port all in their part of the port, right? Right. Because what it folks have to understand, and some of the city councils try to act like we didn't understand. Excuse me, we do understand, and we know that Providence, the port of Providence, is huge, right? So the port mm-hmm. of Providence is an area, the water area, right, if you will, with the adjacent Southside community, Southside community, and Washington Park community. Now inside of the port of Providence, the greater port of Providence. There's different companies that's Narragas and Improvement. There's Spray. Right. There's different um, scrap metal yards, right? Mm-hmm. But then inside of the Port of Providence, there's a conglomerate for a non-profit business, quote-unquote, named Providence Port mm-hmm. or Provport, excuse me. Right. So there's a conglomerate named Provport, and Provport manages about 10 other companies, right as a landlord as a landlord interesting and then that the 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 land that they manage provport manages a chunk of it is owned by a chunk or if not all of it is owned by the city of providence so we lease it to them and they lease it to other companies Mm -hmm. right got it and so what they're saying is oh yeah, we're doing great on, on on WIND. Yes, one of your companies, right. one of your tenants, what about the other eight tenants? Right. What are some things that we can put in this ordinance so that we can A, find out all of your tenants, mm-hmm. find out what they do, find out what their leases are like, and see how we phase them out.
1: Because right now that information is not all available. That
2: information is not all available. Wow. So that's what we're saying. And so um, it's kind of confusing, but we are clear. The People's Port Authority is very clear. Mm -hmm. The community is very clear. You know, some of these city council members need to go back and do their research because they're not clear on it. And again, we are super, super clear. We want these things in place so that we can know you're getting tax breaks because you're being environmental. Okay, your one company is, but you have nine other tenants. And then also the 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 tax and the, le- the 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 money that's gonna get in this so-called TSA is also very specific and to the um to the terminal they want they, they, they run the Watterson terminal mm-hmm. which is they have equipment and they wanna greenify their equipment. But it's not like they're greenifying all of Proport's equipment. They want to greenify their equipment that their tenants lease. Right? And again, mm-hmm. so their tenants are not required to Electrify their vehicles or do anything else that's environmentally friendly, right? So, we're saying show us your tenants, show us what their leases are, what are the guarantees that they also are going to do that, and if, if that they're also going to go quote unquote green, and if they don't, how are you going to phase them out, right? Yeah,
1: those are all great points and great questions, and something that's on my mind just hearing you talk about all of this and you know, all of this activism that's happened in the last seven years, and then thinking about a 30-year timeline all of a sudden, without yeah. hearing the voices of the community. In the time of climate change, 30 years, like, that's right. our sea level is going to be very different. The Port of Providence is going to be underwater, and all of that stuff likely will be elsewhere being swept with the water into and communities is, yeah. abutting other communities um i'm wondering about how much that is part of the conversation in terms of sea levels in terms of like s- storm preparation and conversation with the office of sustainability in-, in providence i know recently the act on climate got passed for the state of rhode island in 2021 in part thanks to the People's Port authority
2: um, what are your thoughts on that Well, that was a lot, but, you know, I'll be 60 in 30 years. Oh, my God, you look amazing. I'll be 64, (laughs) 64 to be exact, in 30 years, you know? So it's like, like, I'll be young still, you know what I'm saying? But that's not going to be... Oh, my god! It's not going to (laughs) be... I thought you said, like... Uh, like you're about to turn 60 I was like are you kidding no I'll be, in 30 years I'll be 60 no in 30 years I'll be 60 no I'm not looking for 34 me too <laughs> but we'll all be 60 right 60 something so we'll still likely right. be here you know yes. so it's like but the poor is gonna look completely different yes like you mentioned, it's going to look completely different. So what we want to know, again, what are some, what are the plans? Like, what is an emergency plan? They don't even have things like that, that are comprehensive, right? They have, like, you know, basic, like, EPA ones that EPA sends that are, like, generalized. But mm-hmm. there's nothing specific for Providence. And every port looks so different, right? right? And, again, it's not like we were not having conversations with them already. We've been having these conversations right. with folks, with Provport and others. Right. So it's like we're at the table. We're meeting you extend that hand and you know they did afterwards after the the shit show of a city council meeting that we had where there was like all these backroom deals happening in front of us you could go look it up on Uprise Rhode Island that's the plug Steve Elkwith. you could go see he has videos see now I'm getting real podcasty up in here Let's but tell the truth. you can see they, they're making backroom deals in front of us so it's like they feel really bad that that went down and when I say they I mean prof you know because they got called out we got called like we was like yeah we called them out and so they extended there and they're like you know they, they again they make their little backroom deal to be like oh we're sorry we want to do amendments you know even that was a backroom deal but we took it and again so the so again we're at the table we're asking you to come and talk to us we're already talking let's keep the conversation going you don't want no smoke with us you know because we will go wherever you guys are at we go to City Hall, we go to the State House, we go to the EFSB board, we go to DEM, you know? Right. And we're doing things the, the, the way that they tell us to do. Go talk to City Hall, you know, go testify, you know? And, and then we're also working with DEM and others to, like, um, have them collect themselves and be more um, racially equitable with the environmental initiatives, you know we're working with that at the state level at the city level and so we're doing our part we're saying extend your part as well you know right and so take yeah action. take action and you know we don't even have to wait for 30 years Shit is happening right now where you know a couple months ago like what two or three months ago we had a rainy day it was like two rainy ass days mm-hmm. where it was raining all day and then the highway was shut down right Right, Cranston was a mess. You couldn't you know, even you Cranston couldn't go on I ninety five. You couldn't go on, and that's right here. In right, the court. that's exactly what we're talking about. Right. Allen's Avenue, Thurber's Avenue. I I, I live right on, in 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 the street that's on Eddie and um in um in Allen's Avenue, and so we were shot. We was like couldn't go nowhere. No, you know we couldn't go into downtown. or couldn't go on the highway. Wow. We were like completely. And then again, all that storm water. For example, one of the companies is Shell. Right now we're suing Shell with CLF, um Conservation Law Foundation because they have these massive pools of we don't know what the hell. And nice. they yeah, they have pool, these pools. And they're like under, below level pools, like underground, like you know, underground in in the ground pools with chemicals in them. So when it rains, all that crap comes up oh and gosh. it goes into the bay, it goes into the into the you know, into the street, and we don't know what is in it, and so we're asking them to disclose what the hell is in it, and they don't want to. So now we're in court with them, and it's and it's actually gonna. Um, we were just in the process of like gathering the like the information and testimony, but it looks like it's gonna um, go to like court, hopefully, because you know, the judge was like, "Yeah, no, this this is valid. Like we want to hear more, you know," and so it's we're already seeing. Right. Those effects. Right. We're seeing the effects. I mean, I don't remember it raining this much in this time of year. Like, right. you know, it didn't rain when it was supposed to in the spring. Right. Before it was like, oh, spring, sh- May, May showers bring spring flowers or right. whatever because right, it was right. supposed to rain. April showers. Yeah. April showers, <laughs> exactly. right? Thank you. It's like April showers. Then we had them. a drought. A drought. Right. A drought. And now it's raining. Yeah. And it's not, not cold enough where it's snowing. Right. So it's supposed to be snowing. Right. Right? It's December. I mean, I don't know, like, the way weather works, but to me, it's like, okay, so if it's cold enough, that rain turns into snow, right? And it's a snow cloud and not a a storm cloud, but it's stormy. Right. And rainy. Right. And 50 degrees outside. 50,
1: yeah, we're supposed to have an ice skating event with my day job and it got delayed because it was too warm. You see? Yeah. Like I
2: have cilantro going in my backyard right now. Wow. And my beds. Oh, my goodness. Because it's been that warm. And then the yeah. plant's like, oh, yeah. And then they're like, psych. Yep. You know? Confused. Because then we had like a 30-degree a thirty degree weather. Right. You know, so we're already seeing these things. And yep. people don't want to see it, you know, but we're already seeing it. And we're already getting affected by it. You've shared
1: about a bunch of different organizations that you're partnering with, in part, the CFS, uh, Suing Shell. Um, you've mentioned Uprise, Rhode Island. Um, uh and the FANG Collective, um, what other organizations are you, have you partnered with, with the People's Port Authority, um, to
2: fight for frontline communities in various ways over the years? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a founding member of the Racial and Environmental Justice Committee, the REJC. Um, and they're an organization that works with um, the city, uh, the city of Providence. And we wrote the Climate Justice Plan together. Did you read the climate justice plan? I haven't read it. Okay, you should read it because it's really robust and it has a lot of points, uh, and it was really, really deep community engagement. And so we partnered with them. Um, We partnered with the Sierra Club. Um, Sierra Club Rhode Island does not look like regular Sierra Clubs. Sierra Club Rhode Island, you know, it's not all white. It's not all white, exactly. That's great. But you know, (laughs) we did that on purpose. Like we know, we like got some good white folks, right, to be like. To, to get rid of the bad white folks that were not doing nothing, that did not believe in, in environmental racism. You know, they kind of just want to believe in the environment. It's all, we all live in the same planet. Kumbaya. And it's like, yeah, we do. And. Right. And. And. Let's and, do some work. Right, like we have some work to do. And it's not just about saving polar bears, but it's like right. saving the kids of Southside. And so, um, Sierra Club has been great. Um, Rhode Island, Sierra Club. um, And then we also partner with um Southside Community Land Trust. Um, with, um, Tarshir Battle, um, she runs, um, Roots to Empower, she's amazing, if you haven't had her on the podcast, you should, awesome. um, amazing black woman, um, and so, you know, various, uh, if they do environmental justice, or they do environmental stuff, and they're good and badass, we partner with them, um, the Woonie, when I was talking River Watershed, you know, so we were in everything, Mio, I think Mio was on already, or if not, you need to c- bring yep, them on, was on. oh, yep, good, good, yep. You know so we and we actually just started a ej um coalition so all of us badass environmental justice organizers getting together and you know when i started this eight years ago it was very few it was like us it was like you know no lng and pvd and fan collective but no but and that's it you know Sierra club did a little bit but it wasn't as you know and then the ej league environmental justice league was a little bit kind of going but it was like kind of phasing out a little bit but it was very very little bit of a little small group of us and now it's like every so many of these organizations focusing on on um bringing young people to the woods into into like you know expeditions and and learning about water and all this stuff and people who are formerly incarcerated that's where to battle formerly incarcerated learning how to garden super rad all of that like cool amazing things um you know with with CLAP, they're really old organization, but um, Childhood led Action. Um, and again, we're teaching them about the environmental justice part of it, even though their roots aren't very much environmental justice because it was start by, by a whole bunch of um, black mothers, you know, in their kitchen tables. DARE, Direct Action for Writing Equality, another 37-year organization where I learned all of my organizing skills from, um, and now I'm a, the vice chair of. You know, and so we really brought all these community members together and all these organizations together. And then also have folks understand the intersections of environmental racism and others, right? Because it's like I became a doula because I understood environmental racism in the intersection of um, reproductive justice wow. and reproductive rights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I understand the intersections of housing and environmental justice and environmental racism, you know? And so we've partnered really with a lot of specific environmental groups but also we've brought in a lot of other others but that are not others that are also that are a part of the team right, right related of justice mm-hmm. and social justice and environmental justice because if we don't have a planet
0: you know right. how are
2: we going to fight for black lives how are we going to fight for for formerly incarcerated folks how are we going to fight for for housing reproductive rights Absolutely. you know what i'm saying and so we are here to teach people that as well, so they can understand the intersections and how they can plug in with us.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're talking about that because so much of the work um, with environmental justice is, you know, it is all intersectional. Um, And when you're thinking about how you want to plug in to an organization in general, you know, it is all related, but yeah. Starting with our planet. It's a good idea, yeah. not without. Taking into account the intersectionality of everything else.
2: Yeah, and then you know, starting with the most marginalized people in our planet, right? right? And that's always our focus. It's like starting with the most, and you know, there's a lot of um, ideas, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that have already been implemented in lots of parts of the world that we can easily be um, done here.
1: Yeah, in use Providence.
2: Used as a model, right? But what good is that if there's no community input? And not everybody's going to fit. We want to be at the table so that we can show you our model, that we can learn the ways and then implement them in the way that are going to be good and just for us. Yes.
1: You know? Yeah, because your interests are should be at the center. Exactly. Your health and your safety and well-being. For folks who want to plug in right now, um, what are ways that they can show up with the People's Port Authority for issues that are on the table right now? We're looking at this, this is December sixth right now by the time this goes out (laughs) so in in the month of december and in january february how can people show up and plug in and connect with people's Port authority well
2: the biggest thing we need is funding Mm. You know, I literally do this out of the, out of my kitchen table. We got a nice fancy office in a CIC building that we share with a bunch of other groups. Where we are right now. Yeah, exactly. That we share with other groups. But really, this is a grassroots organization. And we've done some grants, but we need grant writers. We need to get more money and more funding. Because I can't do it alone. I just hired um, Angel Ramos, who's been an incredible organizer and learning about lots of things. But literally, there's work to be done. And we need... Funding, you know, this is billion dollar corporations that we go up against, right, you know, and we need funding for all of it for lawyers to pay us to pay the people to to pay um folks to attend these meetings so that they can get the education that they need and learning, you know, to do our youth program, um, provide them incentives so that, you know, they don't have to get a job. They could come here and learn with us and then get paid. You know, and they can buy, you know, the stuff that they need and, and that they want. Um, and so, funding is the number one thing that we need. Um, you can go to um, our website, um, the uh, peoplesportauthority.com, and I'm sure you could put links and stuff like that. Yep. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Peoples Port Authority, and also there's some donation links on there. That's the biggest thing. But then also, you know, we're always doing art builds, we're always doing um, door knocking. We're always having parties and community engagement activities, but you know, you can come and serve food or talk to people, provide childcare. Um again, the grant writing, you know, yeah. Um come learn be anti-racist with us, <laughs> you know. Um that's it. When you say art builds, what do you mean? So like if there's an action we're doing like we need um, posters and we need people who can do nice eye catching flyers you know things like that that i don't have the skills for (laughs) um yeah so things like that right now we're doing um it's probably gonna air after but we're doing you know like every every ward in providence they have like their little christmas tree lighting Mm -hmm. so we're gonna do ornaments with like what we wish for the holidays or for christmas and we're gonna do ornaments with like environmental justice and clean air and santa bring me so like santa um keep the cold bring me fresh air or something you know something like that and nice. so, you know little things like that that i catch in little actions that we do kind of like seasonally um so yeah we're always looking for creative people creative minds that want to put like their work together um and you know understanding oh, yeah. their privileges and stuff too you know mm-hmm
1: That's awesome. Yeah, many ways to plug in here. Mm -hmm. Um, From what I understand, there is a big event coming up on December 13th. Yeah, the Public Street Mm -hmm. Community
2: Workshop. Yep, yep. So right now, one thing that we didn't talk about was that um, the community, we're fighting for um, public access to the water. And in Rhode Island, it's a constitutional right. Yes. Okay. So we have one water access on this side of Providence. On the west side? On the water. Side. On the south side. On the south side. In the Washington Park area. Doesn't have any. Um So, about, at the start of the pandemic, we saw that one of the companies, including National Grid, and one of the companies on this little sliver of street, and ironically, the street is called Public Street. <laughs> but it's a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver between the uh piles of salt oh my god and a like tire shop and the old Conley wharf building and it's a tiny tiny sliver i i don't even know how long how big is it like width wise maybe less than a ten sidewalk yeah t- yeah a little tiny sliver but it, the sidewalks go into the the water and there's a tiny again tiny sliver And we saw the fence up, and we're like, wait a minute, that's the only other public access that we have. And so we fought to get the fence down. The fence came down, and then the AG's office and um, the CRMC, Coastal Resource Management, it took them two years to designate that street a right-of-way, a public right-of-way. So we won that little sliver, and then we um, got a little bit of grant money with the city. The so the racial environmental justice committee, the people's port authority, and the city are working on a public a pub the public street design concept, and that meeting is going to be on the thirteenth, December thirteenth at the Matt High School in the black box theater. Um, I believe it's six o'clock. Yep. And we're going to have we're going to talk about. Some possibilities of designing this street and you know it's a tiny street but we really think it's going to be a stronghold for public access rights in the city of Providence and also to be a, 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 the first start of maybe greenifying all of public street right. because public street is a long street and it goes you know from that Island's Avenue goes all the way to like Elmwood maybe even Cranston Street so we're thinking wow what if that's like a green walkway you know, That'd be beautiful. Um, in the middle of South Side, right? And so again, it's going to be on the 13th and we're going to dream and design that day, um, and really see how this one little piece can help us expand public access, but then also expand the greenification of the port um, for the community members and for residents,
1: mm-hmm, for us. That is so exciting. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow, very cool. Thank you for
1: sharing about that. Yeah, uh, it makes Welcome. me think a little bit about um, New York as someone, you know, from New York, I've seen waterfronts really dramatically change over the years, you know, and it doesn't have to happen because of gentrification, like it can happen in beautiful ways with communities. That's
2: exactly it, and that's another point, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because we want to greenify it for us, right? for the community members that live there, you know, often it happens when they're trying to gentrify the neighborhood. So we wanna make sure that everything that happens is for us, by us and for us, Um, the most affected. We wanna reap the benefits of all the things that we've suffered and all the things we've been through and all the action and the organizing, the sleeping nights, the asthma, we wanna reap those benefits for us. Absolutely.
1: I mean, you've already started to talk about it through this visioning project, And all of the work that you do, you know, fighting the efforts to keep fossil fuels in the Port of Providence. um, How else do you envision a more climate resilient future for Providence and beyond? Well,
2: one of the things we're working on is the green justice zones. Mm -hmm. And so the green justice zones is really a concept where we, we know we need to really fix every single community right all community all every single community has its specific needs so that they can sustain climate change but we know because of racism and injustice and redlining all the things we just talked about inequity that our communities get fixed and done last and when there is some money Say, like the ARPA funds, you know, or say some bonds that the city or the state gets, mm-hmm. that money is often used in other communities, you know, like they'll fix the lead pipes in the east side of Providence. Right. You know? So we're saying, let's create these zones and where they're called the Green Justice Zones, and we introduced legislation the last two years. Um, but we also want to work at the city level where we mapped out. What are the most affected areas in Providence? The highest needs. The highest needs. Mm-hmm. So we based that on uh, off of um, maps from um, the Department of Health, EPA, Department of Environmental Management, the hot spots, like in terms of pollution and in terms of asthma and things like that. And so we found out that Manton and Onlyville and the Port of Providence were the highest. Mm-hmm. So we're saying these are the green justice zones let's stop all new expansion of fossil fuel industry let's phase out any existing facilities and again any money that comes from finding polluters in the port or from money such as like the arpa right kind of like once in a lifetime hopefully it's not through COVID or through any pandemic but mm-hmm. you know some money that come from the federal for the from the federal government let's put it into putting solar panels Fixing the older homes um, so they can withstand climate change. Um, so that, uh, fixing the schools in the areas, right? And again, because we know that every school and every uh, all of these needs are in most communities, but we know that mo- the most affected are these, these green justice zones. So right. let's um, create resiliency hubs out of the libraries and the schools, right? Places where if there was an emergency, folks can go to. Yeah. You know, so they can have solar panels, they could be self sustaining, right. right? A little microgrid, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, it. and so that's something that we're working on with the city of Providence, with the racial environmental justice committee, and with the people's port. Um, and we had a really robust um, cohort last year and during the middle of the pandemic where folks again mapped these places out. But then also wrote legislation around this. And so we introduced um, the Renew Rhode Island Bill. uh, The Rescue, excuse me, the Rescue Rhode Island Bill. We introduced the Rescue Rhode Island Bill. um, And we had a piece of uh, Green Justice Zone in it. And again, it's saying all of this. And then it's saying, it's like, okay, um, you're going to have to hire a workforce to do this. And that workforce is going to have to be a certain amount of black and brown folks, right, force first source, which is an ordinance that Providence already has where folks in the community should be hired first, but actually mm-hmm. enforce that and then provide job training programs for folks so they can learn that, right? And so we wrote this whole bill. And so while it didn't pass, we brought um, over 500 people each time. It was three different um, bills. One was for housing-specific jobs and then clean air. Um, and so we brought over 400, 500 people each hearing on Zoom wow. to the state, to all six. So for um, the three in the, in the in the House and the three in the Senate. Um, it's amazing organizing. And so we had amazing organizing. We partnered with uh, Renew New England and, and the People's Port Authority, Racial Environmental Justice Committee. And we brought so many folks there. And it didn't pass, but a lot of the legislators stole our material. <laughs> And they put it into their Act on Climate stuff, and they put in other um cli- jobs and climate initiatives, right? And so while ours didn't pass, they got a lot of momentum and got folks thinking, like, hmm, what can I do? And so they butchered ours, and they took out the good, robust things. They said, and so the Act on Climate, um, they said they would um have these environmental. Justice protections, but they didn't say how. Key piece of
1: information. Exactly. Oh my God. They didn't
2: say how, and right. so the Act on Empty. Climate has been used kind of with the EFSB board. They said, mm-hmm. well, the Act on Climate really prevents us from getting any new or extending, right? Well, that's really good work, but again, it falls short on the on the justice piece mm-hmm. because nobody consulted us, and none of them answered the phone when we called them and say, hey, can we be part of these conversations? They kind of like used our bill and kind of like read it and took the things that they wanted and so introduced their own bills, you know. And so what we're working on this year or the next upcoming legislative session is how can we work um with the uh, 60 other bills, environmental bills that were introduced that are not environmental justice bills, mm. right? How can us EJ folks advance those bills with the EJ lens, right? Right. Because no EJ bill was passed. Wow. Um, And so we haven't even been able to pass something that says this is an EJ zone or this is a green justice zone and we don't want any new expansions of fossil fuels. We haven't even been able to pass that, right? And so, again, this next legislative session in January, hopefully, we'll be able to um, pass some good stuff. And again, it has to be written... It has to be vetted, it has to be worked on by community.
1: Right. Because
2: what is it that you copy and paste a bill from New York, the port of New, the Port in like Brooklyn somewhere, with no community input of Providence people. Right. Whose idea was that? You know, when and you're like, leaving phone
1: calls, knocking at the door, asking to be part of the conversation. Wow, that
2: doesn't you know? make any sense. And so Senator yeah. Dawn Oyer really did that and um, it was like hello, you know, and again, phone calls, emails, like having folks like hey, talk to us and like, it's a no, and she, you know, it's unfortunate because she's seen that the climate activist mm. amongst the liberal like environmental people, you know, and so again, we're like, hey, we're here and yeah, you can copy and paste a bill from a port in New York but if wouldn't it be better if you had people from Providence there?
1: Absolutely. Senator
2: from Newport?
1: Right. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well
1: said. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I want to respect your time here. Mm-hmm. Um thank you so much for sharing everything that you've done. Um I would love to get involved myself. Good, uh, And yes, I hope a please. lot of other people Send do, too. Send me an email
2: with your yeah, information. I can add you to the mailing list.
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really an honor to have you here. Um, and um, I look forward to connecting and looking up many of the different organizations that you've named as well for future podcasts. Um, yes, please So Yeah, and um, I look forward to, to the January legislative session as well. Yeah, we do too. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: This has been Earth, Wind & Water from Motif Magazine. We would like to take this opportunity to once again thank the sponsors for this episode. Trinity Brew House, R1 Indoor Carding, Providence Brewing Company, Providence Ballet Theater, Festival Ballet, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, East Bay Comics, and New Bedford Festival Theatre. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you join us again for our next episode.